Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted to be with you today on this Wednesday, 24th of June of 2020, as we continue uh, today with our study in the Word with this podcast. We are so always uh, privileged uh, to have you join us, whether you're listening for the first time, second, or you've been with us for the, the last few months, you know that... Uh, what we do here is, is simply just to speak uh, about the Word of God from a prophetic lens and showing us what, what God is showing us in, in the Word of God. And that's what we discuss and how it is relevant for today. And we have been having in these last few days of this series of the Ten Virgins, so much uh, has been coming out from these verses uh, that the Holy Spirit is allowing us to uh, to explore and to be honest with you, as a preacher, uh, I've been learning a lot myself. I've never, uh, maybe some aspects, but for the most part, I've never looked at it with these lens. But I believe the Lord has it this way. And, and really having us to understand what he was saying and what he was answering in Matthew uh, 25. And so we're excited about today's study of the Word of God and what God is going to be showing us. We thought we were going to end this series on Friday, but the Holy Spirit kept giving us more. And here's Wednesday, and we're still on this series. But I think it's all, it's not an accident. I believe it's the Holy Spirit that is wanting us to know something. So I'm excited. I pray that you're excited. And uh, again, as always, it's always a pleasure to be with the panel today to share this this uh this you know this platform that God has given us uh with brother Marty uh brother Jeremiah brother Fernando to be able to come together and study the word of God. So brother Marty, I'll leave it up to you now to share your heart, to share uh what God has given you for today as we study the word of God together on this Wednesday. Amen. It's good to be back together again as we continue to explore the the 25th chapter of Matthew and, and the Lord's uh, teaching on the five wise and the five foolish virgins. We, we're entering our sixth part of this series, and we encourage you, those of you who have been uh, just joining us, to go back and listen to the other parts uh, when you have time, and, and I think it'll fill in a lot of uh, understanding and a, and a greater fullness uh, in, in these stories. Uh, we're going to begin today again. Uh, at the sixth verse, and I'd like uh, Brother Jeremy, if you could, to read um, verse six through verse ten for today's study. We'll see how far we get. We're not in a hurry. We're trying to prepare. Amen. So, would you read the 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 word of the Lord to us, please? Uh, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for your word. Brother Jeremy, would you read? Yes. And at midnight there was a cry made: Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to 
the marriage, and the door was shut. Praise God. <clears throat> so as we were discussing yesterday, uh, and and we'll just talk about it briefly right now, you know, this parable, as we've been telling you, uh, uh, was the result of, of three questions that were asked to, of the Lord. Matthew 24, verse 3, uh, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming? And what shall be the sign of the end of the age? And so as the Lord goes through the entirety of Matthew 24, he actually unveils uh, the answer to those three questions. And when he gets to chapter 25, as we've been pointing out, uh, he begins to address the final question, what shall be the sign of your coming? And then the final question was, and the end of the age or the end of the world, when you would be returning home. And so we've discussed the, 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 the story that he puts forth there as he likens the church to 10 virgins. And again, we have to remember as we're looking at it, that he's referring to the end of the age. And so while the parable itself and the story that he's giving to us can be ministered to if you wanted to, you know, preach a sermon or whatever like they've done over the years, you know, they like to, to portray it as, you know, the beginning of the church all the way to the end when he returns. And 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 you could do that, but, you know, to take it really in, in its context and what he's referring to, we have to understand that that he's referring to the end of the age. And when we when we look at it from that perspective, then what we begin to see are that many of the things that he begins to reveal to us and the kind of descriptive language that he's using is designed to cause us to understand the climate, the conditions, and the events that will transpire all the way up until he comes to take his church away. And it appears to be that as he draws our attention to the future, that he is is showing us not only uh, will there be a, an initial excitement as to the return of the Lord, but then there'll be some sort of an interim period where it seems like he has delayed his coming. And that that's exactly what he says in verse 5, where, where it says, While the bridegroom carried, they all slept and they all slumbered, or they all slumbered and slept. And he gives us two classifications as to as to the kind of sleep that he's referring to while a church is waiting for his return. And as we talked about in verse 1, they initially set out uh, to meet the bridegroom, but he doesn't come when they expect it. And why we know this is at the end of the world is because the same five wise and same five foolish that set off to meet the bridegroom to begin with are the same five wise and the same five foolish that are referenced uh, just before his second coming. Otherwise, he would have told us, you know, that, that there was going to be a completely diff different set of people here. But he's referring to the completed Gentile bride, I believe. And and so with that in mind, as we began to go further into it, we talked about midnight, uh, that there was a cry made. And what we talked about yesterday is that that cry that he references in verse 6, where Brother Jeremy first began to read today, is something that comes on the scene uh almost like shattering uh you know the stillness of the night you know it, it it's as we discussed yesterday it, it 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 showed many many things that we talked about we talked about how before the cry is made that the church finds itself slumbering and sleeping 
And so what the Lord was revealing to us about the church at the end of the age is that it would it would it would gradually fall asleep. It was it was it was an initial kind of nodding off and waking up and nodding off and waking up until it reaches the point where it's absolutely asleep. And then verse six occurs. He uses the phrase at midnight. And we talked about that in our previous podcast that the Lord, remember, is giving uh, this parable at the same time of, of the Passover. He was simply about three days away from being crucified on Calvary when he's giving this story. And Jerusalem was teeming with thousands and thousands of people that had come to celebrate the Passover, our Lord himself being the Passover lamb. And so when he references midnight, he knows that in the mind of those that he's talking to, his disciples, and really the collective mind of the nation as it gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate this most epic of Passovers, when he references midnight, he's stirring within them uh, something that would trigger uh, uh, an understanding in what he's about to reveal. And he wanted to draw our attention to the conditions that were existing just prior to the to the releasing of the children of Israel out of Egypt, because that's what midnight means. And we talked about that midnight, if you remember, when we looked in Exodus, how at midnight the destroyer, the death angel came through. It prefigures the Antichrist. It, it prefigures the devil himself that's coming upon the world. But it would be within that season where God's children would ultimately be let loose from Egypt, which is a type of our salvation, the type of our rescue at the midnight hour at the end of the world, because that's what he's talking about. And then we talked about the significance of the fact where it says that a cry was made. And that cry, as we looked in the previous podcast, is uh, is a loud, piercing call. And we dwelt on that and thought about that because what it seems to be revealing there is that the kind of messages, if we want to apply it to to, to this, this sort of thinking, the kind of messages that were going on prior to the cry being made were not enough to keep the bride awake. In other words, they're insignificant. They're not full of of that strength and passion of the Lord. They're not the kind of messages that would sustain an awakeness and and a discernment uh, of the bride that he's referencing here at the end of the world. And so what he's literally revealing is that there is going to come a ministry on the scene when you least expect it and will begin to cry out with a great passion and anointing of the Lord that the bridegroom is coming. And and when it says a cry was made, as we talked about before, the word made means to come into existence, implying that it wasn't and isn't uh, being, uh, it's not something that's that's a continuous message. It's a message that just bursts into the scene and begins to be strong enough to wake up the bride. And so the message that we looked at yesterday that he gave us was threefold. Remember we talked about that? Because what the cry is, uh, is 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 threefold. In verse 6, it says, what he cries is this, Behold, that's the first message, the bridegroom cometh, the second message, and the third thing he says is, Go ye out to meet him. So when we were talking about that yesterday and began to dig into that, we were really liking it to our time because we believe that this parable is now more relevant in our time than ever before. 
So when it says the first thing, the cry was made, and the first thing the crier says is behold, as we looked at those words yesterday, the word behold literally means to to open your eyes, uh, to see, to awaken, and to discern. And so what we were talking about yesterday is it's very interesting how the Lord uses that first uh, phrase that the, that the one who cries at the midnight hour uses. He says, behold. And when we dug into that, what we saw and what we are learning from that is that when this message begins to go forth, the first word that's used is behold. And the word behold means discern, to see what's actually happening. And so what that implies, because the message is directed to the five wise and the five foolish, which are at this point still a unified group. Though they're all asleep, something has to wake them up. And and the event is the appearance of this crier, this preacher, if you will, uh, who has been sent from the Lord to wake them up. And, and, it, and it carries with it this real urgent sense that that what needs to happen is to waken this bride up from sleeping and to let her know that the condition that you're under right now and all the events that are taking place around you, midnight symbolizing the darkness that has gripped the end of the world, that you're not discerning correctly. You're not seeing what's actually happening. You're not noticing what's really taking place. And right. so before you can before you can receive the second part of the message, which is Jesus is coming, it's as if you have to get hit up beside the head, right, and say, wake up, because what you're seeing and what you're living under, you aren't seeing correctly. You're not discerning the times. You're not discerning what you're seeing. And we talked about that yesterday in relation to what's taking place right now on the face of the earth, what's happening specifically in this nation of ours. It seems as when we entered into 2020, uh, and it did, in fact, happen, the entirety of of, the, <laughs> of what we had been living under was radically changed. We crossed over into 2020 in January, and, and, and about eight weeks into the year, suddenly the entire world found itself under lockdown. A plague had been unleashed upon the earth, and we're still dealing with it. And 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 what what is amazing as we talked about yesterday was was that subsequently since then we're still dealing with this plague we entered into a, a tremendous economic devastating decline 40 million people right unemployed right now then what happened we have roving bands of rioters and looters now we've got churches being desecrated statues being pulled down cities on fire and we've got this absolute chaos, not only here, but all over the world. And and it appears if you if you've been paying attention, you and the church, because that's who this story is designed to wake up is the church. The church is is strikingly silent. It's as if after we went through that wave of false prophets that were standing up on a national scale proclaiming that they had rebuked the coronavirus and everything was going to get back to normal. It's only got worse, and the coronavirus is still here. And since then, all the public, you know, religious elite in the Christian-driven media have absolutely no answers 
there's a quietness that's that uh, an eerie quietness that's kind of settled over the land. And into this climate, what Jesus appears to be telling us is the message will be one of sort that first needs to wake the people up, that is the people within the church, and let them know and confront them. We talked about this yesterday. It's an aggressive nature that this minister, this preacher, this crier at midnight, he, he is possessed with an aggressive anointing. Because the first thing he does is slap them upside the head, wake up, you're not seeing things the right way. We talked about this yesterday, Brother Jeremy. You brought some of those things up, Brother Fernando, where uh, we talked about the condition of the church right now and how it's more focused, yeah. especially in this country, right, upon what's actually yeah. taking place in the political arena. You want to talk a little bit about that as it relates to this? Yeah, it's we spoke about uh, how the church has completely put the dependence on a political party um, to remain, you know, in, uh, to keep their status, uh, really, when it comes down to it, it's financial in nature, because that's really what all the preachers are, are all about today. Just turn on Christian television, right? That's what you're going to see. Yeah. They're, they're, take, they're taking up offerings and so forth and so on. Jesus, Jesus warned uh, his disciples concerning this kind of mixture of religion and politics. Uh, he said, hey, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. That's, that's the religion side of it, and the leaven of Herod. And ultimately, we see those two combining uh, to ultimately uh, crucify Jesus Christ uh, and, 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 and to kill Jesus Christ. So we're seeing the, the beginning stages and formation of this. Uh, where yeah. it's headed, I, I made the comment uh, yesterday, uh, the Pharisees or the religious leaders of Israel ultimately declare we have no king but Caesar, right? Yes. So that, that's, that's what we're seeing. We'll be seeing the beginning stages if you have eyes to hear. Okay? And, that's what, right. and, and, and that's what the voice, the voice that's crying out in the wilderness is there to do, is to awaken us to what's taking place, but also it's twofold but it's also a dividing message. It's a dividing yes. message. It's a message that brings a separation between the foolish and the wise. But yes, uh, we are seeing the church completely uh, politically dependent, on, uh, and, and that's very dangerous. Yeah, and, and, and the result of that kind of thing that you're talking about there is what we're putting forth here is that what the Lord alerted us to look for is that the, the the slumbering or the nodding off would give way to an absolute asleepness. And what put them to asleep, it apparently appears in the way the message of the crier at midnight is delivering his message. By the very first word that he says, yeah. behold, he's trying to let them know that, you know, it's midnight, it's dark all around you, but you still yeah. don't get what's happening. You have yeah, no right. discernment, Right. And so you've engaged in all these other, as it relates to our time, right, which we believe is this time of the parable, it relates to that asleep church that's engaging in, in, in multiple uh, endeavors, uh, everything but what the crier at midnight goes on to say. What you're not discerning, what you're not beholding, he says, is the bridegroom is coming. That's why everything around you is going nuts. <laughs> that's why everything right. is so dark, right? 
That's why the midnight symbolism that Jesus speaks of there is the unleashing of the destroyer has begun. It's an urgent behold that he cries. Understand that what you are witnessing is in fact foretelling, but you can't discern it, but it's foretelling that the bridegroom is on his way, that Jesus is coming. We talked about yeah. this, brothers, right? We talked about this. We talked about how how ironic it is in our time that we, we hear very little about our Lord Jesus Christ in the church. And we sure don't hear <laughs> the message being proclaimed right now that he's coming. And that yes, and right. that it's 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 something that needs to be discerned and to be seen. What's interesting also is the Lord by by telling us that the cry is made at midnight, it shows a, a completely inept ministry at the midnight hour. That it literally requires God himself, the Lord himself, raising up a ministry, so to speak, or a voice. Like John said, I'm just a voice, what, crying in the wilderness, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Were you going to say something? No, no, just I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, amen. So go ahead. No, you know, it's interesting that this, cry this particular message as you pointed out and i like to point it out again in verse in verse six they're still um they're still unified they're a unified group what you said brother but this awakening from their sleep brings forth or this message brings forth and fernando just mentioned it a separation and a division right yeah that that, that's kind of uh maybe i'm not saying it right but it just it's it's interesting that the message that Jesus Christ is coming that should bring joy right <laughs> that should be refreshing instead right. in these last days is bringing a division a separation does that make sense uh, maybe I'm not saying that yeah right. no no that's 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 exactly what we're seeing and what what we're discussing is because that's the result of this. And what's interesting and where we need to dig in right here, at least to, to, to look at some more of the things that the Lord is, is, is telling us, again, is that it necessitated someone from outside the system. They're all asleep. And, and that, would, that would honestly imply that, that, that the preachers are asleep, too. <laughs> with the church right because this is is an independent an independent voice that's standing outside the house where they're at because he goes on to tell them you got to leave the house you're in right now you got to leave that situation you're in you got to get up you got to look around you got to behold and discern what's going on here and what's really interesting is the voice that's making the cry he first alerts them to the fact that discernment of their times is necessary. I want to pause here for a moment and talk about this. Because like we've been talking about for weeks now, what we are sensing, what I'm sensing myself as an individual person is 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 this, and I and I pray the Holy Spirit helps me humbly to try and describe this as I sense it in my spirit. It has been prophesied since the days of Adam that that there would come uh, a, the second coming of the Lord even before the first coming since the days of Enoch, right? 
when Enoch said he saw the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon the face of the earth, Enoch saw the second coming of the Lord. But for 6,000 years of recorded church history, so to speak, and I'm including the church from the beginning till now, um, that which includes Noah and Shem and the whole 60 in line, so to speak, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way down to the Gentile and Jewish church combined. This entirety of history has been pointing to the ultimate event, which is the return of the Lord. But since the Lord ascended on the Mount of Olives and went back, We've had 2,000 years of church history where the attention was turned to the Gentile nations so that the Gentiles themselves could be saved. And as we talked about early on in part one and part two, ultimately when the church made up of both Jew and Gentile is rescued by the Lord, like we, it appears to happen in verse 10 when the Lord returns and takes them and, and they go into the, into the banquet there, every single generation has lived its life uh, in anticipation of that return. But over the times and the centuries, it's kind of settled in to where we find it now as a fully grown, fully expressed end of time kind of thing, right? This 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 body of a of, uh, mystical body of people uh, that you can't really identify one way or the other other than the label they put on themselves. But what is the hardest thing for people right now to understand and what they haven't really even gone there and wrapped their heads around is that there is a finite period of human history. And there is a declaration by the scriptures that time will come to an end. It's going to end. And only those that are ready, like Jesus says in verse 10, they that were ready go in with the bridegroom. It appears that he's saying there's going to be, look at this. We got 10 virgins here. Only five make it through. That's only 50%, <laughs> which is still a high number, right? But that's only half. I mean, that means the other half aren't going to make it. Now, what's hard for me to describe is this. There is a threshold that seems to be reached. There is a barrier that seems to be between us and the full understanding of the second coming of the Lord. And when you try to preach it to the modern church, they're so wrapped up, especially in the Western world and America in particular, with pursuing their material pleasures and needs, with trying to acquire everything for a more comfortable life, you know, a more cushy situation. And then at the end of it, before anything bad happens, God's going to come and take me out of here so I don't have to suffer anything. But they don't really live that way anyway. Because what's the hardest thing for people to understand right now, and what Jesus seems to be apparently, uh, appearing to try and tell us here, is that it's going to necessitate somebody or a group of ministers or saints of God or whatever label you want to put on it. But they're going to show up, and they're going to know what's going on. But they're independent outside of the house. Because remember, he comes and tells them to come out of something, right? You go go out. You got to leave this position that you're in. Again, let me return to this. The hardest thing for people to understand is, is it our time? Is it possible? Could it really be that he's coming? Well, <laughs> that's the part that they have a hard time dealing with. And we see that when we get into verse 7, right? Because when they finally all wake up and they begin to trim their lamps, uh, suddenly half of them realize we don't have any light on this thing. And we'll talk about that in a second. 
but but we know that the problem with most and gosh I'm struggling for words here but it's the ability given by the spirit that causes the individual heart and mind to rise to the occasion if you will of their moment in prophetic biblical history a people who know the Lord, of people that understand that he's coming. It is a giant leap, trust me, between simply having the biblical information given to you that there is a promised second coming and the giant difference between that and an inward certainty that begins to drive you out into the dark Mm. with a lamp as you go forth to meet him. It is the severing of everything that you have known to this point, because they've settled in here. They're asleep, (laughs) but suddenly they're awake. And what this is leading to, like you guys have been pointing out, is a a separation. Now, consider this. And again, this is the hard part for people. Okay, I hear you telling me the Lord's coming. uh, No, you're not hearing a thing. Because what this cry that's made shakes them to their core. When it says that then all those virgins arose, we talked about the word arose, which literally means they had to literally collect their faculties. Like Brother Fernando talked about yesterday, when you wake up, right, you're kind of half asleep and maybe you need a cup of coffee, whatever. But then you suddenly begin to come into your own, <laughs> you're fully awake. Well, this cry it implies that, right? I mean, you're, no, it, 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 I know what you're trying to say. It, 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 it's true because you encounter that. You know, you have conversations with people about these things, and, and, and to you, it's it, to the person that gets a hold of these things. It's 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 what it, it, it's how you guide your life now. It's it's in preparation or prepare your life yeah. for this in preparation for the coming of the Lord. And then you have these conversations and maybe there's people that are listening. And at the end of the podcast, you know, they might just say, wow, that's cool stuff. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so uh, again, it, it, because we do have a generation of, of Christians that just speak for the latest cool thing to hear. Right. You know, and then, or you will uh, run into people that like that you tell them the Lord is coming. And they're like, well, I don't see the honey or the sweetness in that message. You know, they gotta, there has to be some kind of positivity in it. You know, right. and, and it's like it's too doom and gloom, and and, and 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 they don't buy into it because that's all they've heard for a generation. It's, that's it's, right. It's prosperity. It's it's you know uh, uh, you know the, the the things I have intended for you, they're they're good and not evil, so to speak, right? And it's like, right, okay, right. yeah, but do you have eyes to see? This is Jesus speaking here. Yes. You know what I mean? That's good. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what you're saying. Does it really, really get into your spirit? As mm-hmm. you did with Noah, as we spoke about in the last uh, series, uh, the days of Noah, where it, he, he was moved with fear. Noah moved with fear, began to build an ark. He began to conduct himself to discipline himself in yeah. a way to where he was ready to go and meet the bridegroom. That's right? excellent. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, and I like what you said because you said the issue is how are you going to respond to the message? And and true proof of that 
is how you guide your life. That's what you said, how you guide your life from that point on. And like Brother Jeremy was saying earlier, and what we're, we're getting ready to see here. And Brother Jeremy, can you open up your Bible to uh, Matthew chapter 13 real quick? I want to look at something here. Because why we know that Jesus is talking about the end of the world here is because what the result of this message, this behold the bridegroom cometh and go ye out, it sets in motion something that's going to result in the separation between the wise and the foolish. The separation of the church occurs through the message. It's message-driven, yeah. right? Uh, right? Until this time, as we get into it uh, in the next few minutes, until this time, they appear to be one solid church. But this has always been the dilemma throughout church history like it is now. And I want to read this. I want Brother Jeremy to read this parable. Would you start with verse 24 and read through verse 34? Matthew 13, yes. 24, 30. In light of what we're talking about here, read this parable. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But, what, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy had done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay. Lest while ye gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So here we have it. Here's what we have the Lord again in another parable in comparing scripture with scripture. He indicates that that there will be a, a blending of tear and wheat, which he, he represents as his church. But he says it's at the time of the end. It's at the midnight cry. It's at the time of harvest where they will where they will come to the forefront and be separated. And that's what we see happening in this parable. It is the message of the end and go out to meet the Lord that sets in motion something that's going to result in the separation of these two. Notice what he says in verse 25, men are asleep, right? <laughs> but while men slept, it's the same word that he uses in Matthew 25 where he says they slumbered and they slept. Same exact word. So it's it, it, we can add this scripture to what we're studying and say okay we get a little bit more insight here about who these people really are these foolish see it is in the time of the end where a separation will take place because of the condition of the planet what's actually taking place on the earth he likens it to midnight he likens it to to the time of the destroyer that came forth in in, in egypt at midnight he likens it to the darkest part of the night 
it's midnight. And what's and it's at this time that he begins to reveal that that the message will go forth that that sets in motion this separating of the wheat from the tares. It's almost as if he's saying that they never really were ever truly from the beginning part of what of what the real church truly is. He says men slept. And he says, let them grow together until a specific time, right? Until midnight. Until the separating of the church from itself. Okay, let's go back and look at verse 7. Do you understand what I'm saying by referencing that? Yes, correct. Yeah, completely. Right? Because that's what we see, that's what we see happening. Again, verse 6 in Matthew 25, 6, it's midnight. That's darkness. There's so many ways, like, you know, we can look at this. The cry is made. It's a message that comes to the forefront. It appears. It's distinct. It comes into existence. That's what cry made means. It comes into existence, implying that, it, that it's, it's, it's original. It's not something that's been being proclaimed at the midnight hour. It's transitionary. It transitions the position of the church from one that is asleep to one when all of them have to awake, both the wheat and the tares, the wise and the foolish. They're going to have to awake, and decisions are about to be made. Statements are about to be made. Actions are about to be realized, and all of it is going to separate, and they're both going to go out into the darkness. Now, listen. The bridegroom cometh, that is the message. And 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 go ye out to meet him. That's what Fernando was talking about. Once the once the declaration is made, you are not discerning what's really happening. Behold, what's really happening, he says, is Jesus is coming. That sounds like such an easy thing to hear. But it's not. It's not easy to hear. Because it will believe, be believed by some and not believed by the others. Some will react just in a, in, in a certain way. But it's this message that will begin to expose the real from the true. And, and it's going to necessitate a, a removing of oneself from where they were. What put them in sleep. Get out of there and go meet him. What this implies is that the end time church is going to have to go out into the night. <laughs> uh, how much time do we have here, buddy? I'm telling you, we're all going out into the night. Do you understand what night symbolizes? It is speaking of this tribulation, this beginning of sorrows that will culminate with a rescue of his church. But everybody's coming up under the night. Everybody. They all go out into the night. Only five are called the wise. And, and we'll look at that as we go forward here in the next few minutes. But understand this. I believe, and I think unless you can see it, which, which is part of the cry, right? Wake up and look. Right. Discern what's going on here, man. And look what's happening in our country alone. You know, it, it, everything that is, every institution is being challenged. Every, mm -hmm. every single thing is being shaken right now. And, and, it, and it, 
and, and, and what are people really seeing here? I believe, and I think that the word, and we have good biblical evidence for it, that we are well into this midnight hour, that a nighttime has begun to descend upon the earth. And what Jesus is revealing here is that everybody's going to experience it. But what you're going to experience is either going to ultimately lead to his rescue of you and his church, or you're going off in the other direction. And it's this message that's going to determine uh, and set in motion that separation. In verse, (laughs) I hope you hear what I'm saying. Again, consider, what do they do? They, They rise up and they begin to trim their lamps. Let's just look at this real quick. You know, there, there's several components that make up the lamp. We talked about the lamp, you know, Psalm, I think it's Psalm 119, verse 62, I think it is, where it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The The lamp is the word. It's interesting, again, like we talked about yesterday, how when, when the Lord is telling this story, after he talks about the, 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 the one who cries at the midnight hour, how he tells everyone that you better wake up and discern what's actually happening. What's really going on here is the Lord is coming. That is a ministry that understands the times like the sons of Issachar, right? They were men who understood the times and knew what they should do. And then he says, go you out to meet them. And then immediately he draws our attention to the reaction to the message. They all go to the lamp, their lamps. It's as if he's saying they will begin to initially go back to the word. They're going to look at the word, and what they begin to do is they begin to trim their lamps. But we need to understand what that means. The lamp is an independent thing all of its own. But in the lamp, there is both the lamp, then there's a wick, right, inside the lamp. And then in order to make the lamp function, you have to have oil. And so the lamp is the word. The wick, in, in a sense, then, it's separate from both the lamp itself, which is the container, and the oil which is placed in the lamp. You need something to be kindled. And what he's referring to here in the Hebrew mind now, because he's talking to Jews, they understood what he was talking about. They understood the components of the lamp. And there's something that we can learn there about the conditions of our own personality, our own self, our own soul, at this time when the darkness has come upon Uh, the earth as the midnight hour and we are now being confronted with the message that the Lord is coming if we can discern it and so the first thing that they begin to do as the Lord draws our attention and the Hebrew mind would have understood this is they begin to prepare the lamp for the journey out what this tells us is that we're not going to be able to settle on our leaves we're not going to be able to be comfortably hidden in a house anymore Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, and it's going to propel us out, whether that's spiritually speaking or literally, I don't know, or it could be a combination of both. But the focus is on how you respond to it and what is revealed between the wise and the foolish and what they're actually doing. The word is the lamp. The oil is the Holy Spirit, of course. But the wick is our soul. It is our soul. And and what we discern from this is the slumber, because whenever you light a candle, for example, you know, uh, it, it, it creates like this long, 
ash, right? This hard black thing that you need to trim it if you want to light the lamp and have that light burn brightly. What the Lord is saying is that uh, is that the the wick will will begin to be trimmed. The crud has to be taken away from it. But when it does, and when it is, the next step follows is is the spirit. What we learn from the wick and the oil is this. Remember this oil. When you light a wick, for instance, <laughs> there has to be oil in the lamp. That's why Jesus points out that the wise and why he's distinguishing, if you can see it, between the false and the true church. Because when they started out, they took the oil in their lamp. This is a work of the Spirit. This is a work of the Spirit. And if you compare Scripture with Scripture, and the real from the true is what's being exposed here. Brother Jeremy, go over to uh, to Second Thessalonians while we're talking about this. Would you mind? Second Thessalonians yes. chapter 2. Now, Remember, what we learn about the wick is that it's a separate but a necessary component. It, it, it speaks of ourself. It speaks of our soul in the midnight hour. The foolish had no oil in their vessels. And so the wick representing our soul, when it begins to search for answers, it, it yeah. finds no illumination. Understand what happens when you, when you light a wick. Uh, there has to be oil in the vessel. The lighting of the wick or the the initial flame, I was reading this this morning, blew me away. Uh, it draws the oil to it. So the oil like gets sucked up into the wick and, and joins with the flame. And, mm. and it's really interesting because if you, if you go for reserves and you have none, you have no light for the soul. And so he's he's actually beginning, he's saying that the message proclaimed is going to expose that the the, the lack of of oil or true spirit within the false church. It has nothing to draw on. There's nothing there. The wise have it in them. You can't get saved without it. You can be drawn by the Spirit and accept the salvation me message, but it requires the Spirit indwelling you in order to uh, remain and abide within you, guide you, sanctify you, and lead you. The oil is drawn into the wick when the wick is lit. It is the message that lights the wick. It's the word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, right? A light unto my path. When the message comes, the oil that's residing within these five whys is attracted to the message. And the actual trimming of the wick in anticipation or response to that message is the cutting away of all the crud uh, in, in each individual life that's necessary in order for a flame to burn bright. But how the message works between the two is the one has the oil that will be drawn to it. The other finds itself woefully without it. And suddenly, the separation begins. The oil is drawn to the wick when the wick is lit. The oil serves two functions. It both fuels uh, the wick, but it also destroys the wick at the same time. And what does this speak of? It speaks of the old being removed and the new coming to light. It's what's going to happen and what is happening right now. 
see, when the oil is drawn upward, it serves two functions. And remember this, there's two flames existing in one. There's a darker amber color flame, but the top of the flame is the brightly lit flame. That is the spirit and illumination. While the one actually is destroying the wick, which represents the surrendering or the dying of our old life, our old soul, our old man, it is at the same time being preserved until it gives full expression to the brightest light it can be. And that is exactly what happens and is happening right now, especially as the message goes forth and what the Lord is revealing here. When it begins to go forth, this is what's going to happen. The, the rest of the way, the dying of the soul will occur, but to the believer, it is, it is, it is a transformative thing thing that's going to happen it is a picture of that glorious pride oh my gosh all right now listen to second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 so we can see uh, this at work how paul describes what we're talking about would you read that verse 13 but we are bound to give thanks always to god for you brethren beloved of the lord because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Verse 14. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Now, we could spend hours on what he said there. What I want to point out to you is we're talking about oil and we're talking about how they both set out they were both unified so it appeared on the surface we read about the parable of the wheat being separated from the tares it's this midnight message that begins that it's the time of the end it's the time of the harvest and much is going to happen and and what paul points out here is is the truth see they set out uh together and he says in verse 13 that God has from the beginning chosen you to be saved or to salvation. But how does that work? It is through the sanctification of the spirit. It is the spirit that separates and makes us distinct. It is the spirit that, 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 that makes us distinct and causes the flame to burn brightly. To the end, he says, that we will obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, at his appearing. And that's the same process that Jesus is talking about here. He's saying when they finally separate, the wise go, and they are received into the glory of the Lord. In verse 10, they go, they go with him to the wedding feast, right? Paul is talking about that the actual sanctification and distinctive separating thing that identifies those who truly believe God are those that possess the Spirit. And we know that these five wise took oil in their vessels. They they didn't have an initial, you know, a, just a, a coming to Jesus or a, a, an experience of saying some words or setting off with the word of God. What what was distinct and different about them is they had the indwelling of the spirit. They took vet, uh, oil in their vessels. It, they were the real, but you couldn't tell. And you won't be able to tell until now, until the midnight hour. So that's what he's revealing here is that is that when they begin to trim the wick, the wise have their oil in them, and, and their wicks are able to draw 
uh, the flame that's lit, which is the initial message that the Lord is coming, that's the flame. That's the that's what lights that wick, and and then draws oil to itself. The others realize I don't have that, and for the first time in the entire story, the wise see the foolish for what they really are, foolish. The foolish in verse eight, Matthew twenty-five eight, say to the wise, "Give us of your oil." Look what's happening here. Are you there in verse eight? Yes, it says, and the foolish, and the foolish said unto the wise, "Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out." Yes. Well, throughout the story, again, the five wise and the five foolish—they haven't changed. In other words, it's interesting to me is that they're they're all kind of like mingled together in the same camp. But when this cry goes out, when midnight has come, when the the message of the coming of the Lord is being proclaimed, uh, and and up until this point we see a fellowship, there's still a unity there. But once the requirement of 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 a of a fruitful tree to be manifested, if you will occurs suddenly there's only one tree bearing fruit it's the five wise you know we begin to see all of a sudden in verse eight something that alerts the wise we see that the nature of the foolish now begins to surface because jesus says they're the first ones to speak right they're the first ones to say anything and they say give us of your oil it's interesting because I look up the word said, they said, th- that's what reveals to the, to the wise, the nature of this false church, these foolish people in the church, because the word said is an aggressive word. It means that they're, they commanded the wise. They kind of like leash, latch, lash out at them and say, give us of your oil. It's the attitude of the way that they're speaking that does not reveal uh, anything but the fact that they're not true brethren. The wise suddenly recognize because they're being brash, they're being aggressive, they're unsteady. That's a sense of desperation. You can almost feel it if you dig in there in your spirit and, and really look at how these people are reacting. Because <laughs> they're now demanding, they suddenly realize they're empty, man. They're empty. There's nothing there. They are the false church, but we all look like one church until now, until this declaration is being made, and they plainly testify, verse 8, our lamps have gone out. They're not going out. They're bone dry. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And and I think it's indicating, brother, it's not that they became foolish. They were always foolish. That's what Jesus labels them. Right from the right, beginning. Become, yeah. And I, I'm I'm in agreement with you that this was always their purpose and destiny. Yeah. They were, like John said, they, they were with us, you know, they, they were they were counted in the number. They went out from us, but they were never of us. Right. Right? That's where the yeah. apostle and, and, and another thing, I want look at the question they're asking. They're posing, give us of your oil. They want something that the wise have. Yes. And it's, it sounds good. But 
this is where it gets a little extreme because you said this, I think, yesterday. You, you're going to yeah. have to be very careful who you hang around with in these last days. Yes. Yeah. Okay? And it's getting to that point. Jesus said it would. Okay? And, and they're asking for oil, but yet they want no fellowship with them. Mm, that's good. Okay? Mm. There's many people that are going to want what you have, but yet they don't want fellowship with you. I want to I want to mm-hmm. read what what uh, <clears throat> John said quickly concerning that. If it, and let me say this concerning the Apostle John: if there was any, anybody to talk about, qualified to talk about fellowship, it was him. He never mm-hmm. really broke fellowship with Jesus. He was always with Jesus. He, he, he laid at the bosom of Jesus. He was there in the trial, the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, it's it's his last book that's in the Bible. All right, think about that. And and now we have Peter who broke away for a moment, but then he came back, and we have Judas who was who was with them but was never of them. We're gonna have these three kind of people, and we have to discern who they are. Right? And and John says this concerning fellowship in uh first John here. Um, chapter two. Verse three. That Chapter 1, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. See? And yes, if, that's good. If, if somebody is lacking oil, naturally, what they're going to want to do is find somebody that does have it and 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 and, and, and start fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's not what these yeah. foolish want. They just want what they have. But, but the Apostle John says that, that that's not how it works. You have to have fellowship with those who are in the body of Christ, right? And it says, yes. it says uh, and truly our fellowship is with, um, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things re- we write unto you that your joy may be full. Notice what he says here. Then, this then is the message we have heard of him, of Jesus. Yes. This is what he said. This is what he said in the, in, in that parable, right, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Their lights went out. They were in darkness. The, wise, the foolish, the wise had light. And it says this, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. That's good. But if we walk in the light, the wise ah. virgins, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one with another. You're gonna know who's your brother. Uh, you're gonna know who's your brother in these last days. The, that same light is gonna shine through them. All right? Yeah. And you're gonna have fellowship with them. Uh, and then it you says know, this. You know what, brother Fernando? Wait, wait, wait. You know what's scary there? What you're talking about to me, as well, is is because we're looking. You're stated where you're at, but in verse eight, it, it talks yeah. about uh, give us of your oil, and then they say, for our lamps are gone out. The fact that they've gone out indicates that at one time they were lit, right? So, what? but what we're witnessing is what you say. If you don't do this, you lie, right? John just said something about you lie. (laughs) You're not telling the truth. But this kind of speaks of what what Paul told the church, right? When he said, you know, marvel not, for Satan himself has the ability to transform himself into an angel of light, right? Good, good, yes. You know what I'm saying? So just because someone looks like they're a church folk, they don't—they ain't. 
<laughs> you know, their yeah. lamps have gone out. In other words, they never had oil. They just lit it. You know, whatever was in the wick was what they had, but it was false. It was fake. And like you're saying here, like Jesus points out, he never intermingles the two. He always emphasizes there's five wise, five foolish. They never did fellowship, but but you couldn't tell, yeah. right? Yes. You you, right. you can't tell until the time of the end. Right? Time of the go ahead, brother. And I'll, say that, brother I'll, I'll finish with this. I'll finish with this. I go don't want I'm I'm done there, but I think the focus. Okay, we know the question the foolish are asking. But I think what the Holy Spirit wants us to see is the is the ability of the wise to discern. That's right. Right? That is what I feel the Lord is showing us. It's not so much what they're asking, but do they have the ability to discern that what they're asking for, they really don't want. Yes. Because they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's like we said, you lie. That's what that's what John says. That uh, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. Right. So I just wanted to point that out. Well, the Fernando, too. Uh, another thing that you brought to my to my attention is what you said. Uh, when those that don't have the lamp want the oil, right, from the other five versions, but they don't want the fellowship. And I've noticed that same pattern that takes place. Let me give you an example. For example, God gives a certain man a message, a message of warning, right? And what happens? These 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 ministries that are dead, they come and be, and then all of a sudden that man, you know, that servant of God is put right in the limelight, right? He's coming out on, you know, whatever, TVN, he's in this ministry, and it looks like everybody is taking from his oil, hmm. but they don't want fellowship with him right right and i've seen that do you guys know what i'm talking about I, i've seen yeah, that I, i've seen that and, and that you just reminded me of that <clears throat> no that's really good and and that's that's so right you know again like you guys are pointing out because the response of the wise is very very interesting like you you're talking about because it does show discernment like we were like we've been discussing it shows discernment uh, upon the wise and and what they what they discern and and what they say and how they respond is extraordinary because like we talked about right. yesterday you know it seems cruel right and like we talked about yesterday too uh, why didn't if i was one of the foolish and i ran out of oil or something i would i would follow the other five you know just follow them yeah you mentioned you mentioned <laughs> that last podcast yeah. <laughs> right i mean why wouldn't you follow them don't be an idiot, you know, at least be right. smart and say, I'll get behind number five, you know, because there's four other guys ahead of him and they got lights going on. I ought to be able to see something, you know, I mean, no, but it's exposing their attitudes. It's exposing what they really are. And and as we get into this more tomorrow, we'll, we'll close with these, these next few thoughts here. But, but when we get into this more tomorrow, I want to look at that because as they set off, they both go off into the darkness, and, and we this goes all the way to the book of Revelation. This goes all the way to the falling away of the church, the manifestation of the Antichrist, the second coming of the Lord just before his wrath is poured out. All of this is in this story, which we'll dig out by the grace of the Holy Spirit. But here we see, like you guys are pointing out, such an interesting thing. There's a breaking of fellowship that never was really fellowship. The wise remain intact, and the foolish remain intact. 
they're two different camps, but they're not separated until the message, right? It's the message that separates them. It's the message that exposes them for being right. false, right? So the the wise say something really interesting. They say, um, not so. Verse 9. Can you read verse 9, Brother Jeremy? What, how, what they told the foolish? But the wise answers saying, not so. Let there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. That's incredible. And we're not going to get into all the whole Mark of the Beast stuff right now. But I want to look at what they said here in uh, verse 9 where it says, Lest there be not enough for us and you. Brothers, when you look up the word not enough, it's very telling what Jesus is saying there. Uh, what the wise are saying is what we need to say. What they discerned and what they understood about this time. The word enough, it, interestingly enough, it means to raise up a barrier. Create a barrier. Hmm. Wow. Wow. To, be, to, be, to be possessed of an unfailing strength. Hmm. It means to raise up a barrier and to be possessed with an unfailing strength. What do you need unfailing strength for? Jesus is coming. That's what he's saying. You're going to need an un he that endures, right, to the end shall be saved. And this barrier that they're talking about is, is that which is constructed around them a light to, to be a barrier to the darkness. Wow. And, and Right? Remember what it said about in Egypt, you know, when there was darkness that could be felt, right? Right, right, right. It said that in the houses of God's people, there was light, but there was darkness everywhere else. It has that feeling. Remember, we're talking yeah. about a Passover story he's giving here. And, and, and so what he's revealing there is that the real church is going to have a barrier. The light itself creates a barrier between you and the darkness. And, and, and you can't give that away. You can't fellowship because the fellowship, right, brothers? what you're just talking about that fellowship brother fernando if they were to take of what they had and 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 exchange it or give it to the foolish in essence man what would they be doing they would be fellowshipping with them they would be sharing that precious substance of the spirit of god that has protected them all this time and he's alerting us to the fact you give that and you destroy the barrier that's going to ensure that you make it all the way through in this dark time. My God, you can't. That sounds, it sounds extreme, right? It sounds extreme, but the visual is quite, you know, it, it's quite evident exactly what it's telling you. That is what he's saying. To, to exchange anything is to fellowship, right? The breaking of bread or, you know, or, or the, the sitting down and exchanging, uh, you know, anything. Here, what the, it, it as the Lord told me this morning, it's the final test of the wise and the discerned. You cannot what like we talked about yesterday, right? And I think it's Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen. You cannot have light and darkness fellowshipping. Once the wise expose themselves for who they are, which is what we have no oil. In other words. We have no light. At that very moment, you cannot fellowship with them. 
Why? Because the scripture, as Paul wrote in Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, says, What fellowship has light with darkness? What fellowship has Belial with Christ? That's what he goes on to say. In, in essence, this becomes that satanic church right now, right there. They're seen. And they go off to the marketplace at the end of the world, which we know is the marketplace of the Antichrist and the false prophet themselves. This is the final test of the wise. They cannot fellowship with darkness. And it's the end of the world and the message that separates them and exposes them. And it's at that moment that the wise in their wisdom separate themselves from them and send them away. It's a barrier. It's a protection, the light, the oil, the Holy Spirit. And, and also the Lord is revealing that the journey will require a barrier between us and them, between light and darkness, between the true children of God and the false. Remember what Paul said in Second Thessalonians, and we'll see if we look at it tomorrow, where he said that, you know, that, that falling away must occur first. This is they who have fallen away, the, the foolish. So the separation is occurring. And, and I want to close with this because, because we'll, and we'll, we'll pick it up again tomorrow in verse 9 as we talk about this, is in First John. That's where I thought you were going, Brother Fran. First John chapter 2, you quoted it. Verse uh, uh, 19. Yeah, well, we'll start with verse 18 through 20. I want you to read the whole thing in light of what we've been talking about. And it brings out an incredible truth, which is where we are right now. It's begun. If you can yeah. see it, you can see it. If you can't, you better pray. Because <laughs> it's begun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read it. Verse 18 and verse 20, Brother Marty. Yeah, yes, please. Okay. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now, there are many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us. They were not of us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But what? But ye, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Wow. So, so, right. And, and that's what the Apostle John said, like Brother Fernando was quoting in chapter 1. Notice mm -hmm. he talks about a separation, right? And and the separation, he, he uses the spirit of Antichrist to declare it. He, he says they're part of the Antichrist system. They're part of him. And he says, if they weren't part of him, they would still be with us, but they're not. And that's what Jesus is revealing as well, is that, look, <laughs> it's at this moment that you're going to see you cannot fellowship with these people. And and, and the wise responded by separating them from, from them, separating themselves from them and sending them away. And they go on their journey. But but he's revealing here that 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 this is what's going to make manifest in the time, the last time, the spirit of Antichrist will separate the true from the false. And when he says in verse 20, but you have unction from the Holy One, that word unction means oil. <laughs> it, it comes from the word uh, chrisma. It's anointing right. oil. It's anointing oil. 
Unction literally means anointing oil. He says, so you could read it this way, but you have oil from the Holy One, and so you know all things. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they went out from us. These these times are going to reveal the real from the false. The wise need to understand this. Everything that's taking place is 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 beginning to expose. Those of you who have been hanging out in crazy churches, you know, you never get nothing and all that kind of stuff. And, and now you've been hearing these wor this word for so long now or wherever God's talking to you, you know, you're starting to hear a different sense of what God is really saying. You can't go back there. The yeah. times are exposing. The, the, the situation we find ourselves in right now in this country, do not you even for the least think it's going to it's gonna all end and we're going to go back to the party. And we're going to have our football games and our barbecues and we're just going to go on forever until the rapture. Good luck. See ya. By the way, go buy your own oil. I don't want nothing to do with you because you're not my brother. That's harsh. Mm -hmm. But the truth is... Really? If you're really of us, if we're really able to fellowship, it'll be around those who are filled with the oil of the Spirit, the true church, who is hearing his voice and are and are now beginning to understand what is actually happening in this planet, what is actually going on in our times. Understand this, wise people. You cannot any longer fellowship with that compromised person. To see something stirring you on the inside. You're beginning to figure out this isn't normal times. If you've lived any amount of time on this planet, and I have a few gray hairs to prove I've been here for a while, you know these times are not like the times we've lived up to this point. This is different. They're turning on us, man. They're coming after yeah. you. They're, they're coming after the people of the light. There is nothing sacred anymore. And we've got preachers marching with that crowd, false preachers, leading their congregations that way bowing the knee, all that stuff that you've been watching on your televisions and internet feeds, it's all part of it. It's exposing the real from the true. Seek those that have oil. Together, the yeah. collective light will form a barrier between you and the darkness. Good. Jesus is coming, right? And we have an yeah. unction from the Holy One. The oil was for three things, to anoint the priesthood, to attend sacred festivals of the Lord, and to light the lamps. All three things are for the child of God. And as we continue to go forward in this story, we'll probably wrap it up tomorrow or Friday. Because there's something I want to leave you with and we want to look at whenever we can close this, uh, this teaching out. Um, I really sense by the Lord he wants us at the end of it, which will probably be Friday, Lord willing. Um, we'll begin to specifically hone in on how you can discern the real from the true when it comes to your ministers, your churches, and your ministries, and the messages you're going to hear in the days ahead. How to develop a hearing ear and how to recognize the real from the from the false and, and, and the wise from the foolish. You have an unction from the Holy One, he said. And because of that, you know all things. The bridegroom is coming. Let us be ready so we can go in. The days aren't too far ahead, man. We're right there. Any closing thoughts, brother? How do you even close something like this? You know, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. You know, uh, the reality of the times that we are living in, 
the type of life that is going to be required for us and and the decisions <laughs> that we have to make to to really continue and to walk through this midnight hour that is upon us in this hour. We really pray that God has blessed you with this and, and this has encouraged you in some way and, and caused you and provoked you to think and analyze where are we at as individuals in our walk with God if truly that oil is burning in our hearts, our, our, our wicks trimmed. So uh, this is a lot of food for process, uh, thought, uh, what is it? Food for a thought process thought. in our lives. Food for thought. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Uh, to really meditate in these things and, and pray and ask the Lord to guide us. The Bible does tell us, and the Apostle John tells us, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Amen. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And as always, keep looking up.